Helping Hand podcast. My name's Pauline Shannon. I'm a mother of three and a reflex integration therapist. Each week I will be meeting someone who helps children and families. I will be asking them what they do and how they do it. We will learn how different therapies can help, how to choose which is right for you and how to find them when you need them. Hello, today I'm speaking to Amy Solon from Elements Hypnotherapy. Amy started out as an additional support teacher and qualified as a clinical hypnotherapist seven years ago. She now works with individuals, children and families to support them to build resilience and change unhelpful behaviours. Hi Amy, I'm so glad to have you on the Helping Hand podcast. I have recently come across the word sleep talk and don't know what it means at all and I see that it's one of the key therapies that you offer. Can you tell us all about it? I certainly can and Pauline thank you very much for having me on the Helping Hand podcast. So today it's lovely to be here. Sleep talk is best described as a process rather than a therapy. Essentially, um, it supports parents to enable their children to feel safe, to enable them to feel secure. Over time and when used consistently, sleep talk helps children to reduce their anxiety in relation to different situations, whether it's school, whether it's home life, or whether it's a mixture of both and others. It also helps children to change unwanted behaviors, unwanted habits, but most importantly, and this is what drew me to it as a parent, it builds children's resilience, their self-esteem, their self-worth and really helps them to tackle the day-to-day problems that life throws at them. That's probably it in a nutshell. (laughs) Before you describe the process to us, can you let us know how, how did you get into it? How did you come across Sleep Talk and what attracted you to it? I have heard about and known about sleep talk for a long time. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist to trade. And as part of my code of ethics, I guess, I do a lot of training um, to, you know, to continue to upskill in within my hypnosis work. I had come across sleep talk through one of my trainers who's based in the States. And I knew that it was something that I wanted to train in. What drew me to it specifically wasn't for professional reasons. It was very, very much for personal reasons. My firstborn was, um, she was born in 2016 and I had a dream pregnancy. Um, You know, it was as easy, dare you say the word easy, but it was a very comfortable and nice pregnancy. You know, I had a bit of morning sickness at the beginning, but really... It was it was a very enjoyable experience and everything went really smoothly until she was due on January 31st in 2016. And I went in for my I went over I went over my dates. I went in for an appointment to meet with the midwife and to make the next plan. And I was just going out the door that uh, finishing my appointment. I was leaving. I remember it so distinctly. I had this red jacket on. It was cold outside. Uh, I God, I can remember. You know, one of those moments that is just like an image in your mind. It's just like a snapshot. And I remember getting my coat on, going to walk out the door, and the midwife Bernadette 
is her name. Bernadette called me back and said, I don't think your baby is breached, but I'd like to just check um, to make sure of that. So I took off my coat, I got back up on the bed and she, I just remember her feeling around my belly, particularly down around my right-hand side. She was there for a while and I was feeling just a little bit, oh, just feeling a bit uneasy. And she said, listen, I'm going to send you down for a scan. I don't feel entirely comfortable. Um, I just want to make sure that everything is as it should be and that baby isn't breached and so on. I went down for a scan and after a few moments, the sonographer just went silent and it felt like, oh my gosh, it felt like a decade of thinking, what on earth is going on? And a few moments later, she said, I don't know what this is, but I need to get a consultant involved um, and see if he can interpret this mass that I'm seeing. So to cut a very, very, very long story short, my little baby was born with what's called a cystic hygroma or a lymphatic malformation, I think is the term that I don't really like. I prefer to use the, the word cystic hygroma. Um, she was born with what is in essence a, um, um, a, a malformation in her lymphatic system. And it caused her to be born with essentially what looked like with a huge swelling on her face. She had a face and then she had almost half a face again around her chin and neck area. So very, very large tumor. Um, it was hard as of course, you know, something unexpected like that will be. And there were some really rough points on the road. Um, very, very rough points in the road. She had sepsis a couple of times and um, yeah, we were in a few hairy situations, I won't lie, but to actually operate on this, um, this mass, this, this benign tumor that she had is very risky. And it wasn't something that I felt was my decision to make because of the very immense risks that are involved in, in the surgery. So a very difficult decision, but one that I'm comfortable with having you know having made that it, it wasn't my decision to go for this surgery bearing in mind all the risks that could happen for her so I knew that my biggest job was really to prepare her for um the comments that could come and would inevitably come down the track um the 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 tumor itself has retracted significantly over the years, though it is less, much less significant than it was when she was born. But I knew that in addition to the, I suppose the overage hypnosis that I, I do a little bit with her, just through my use of language, giving her really using affirming positive language with her. So I, I use my hypnosis training in, in a very informal way with her. And I've always done that. Um, I do it with both my girls um, and I always have done. But I knew that sleep talk was going to be a very important tool in my armory. And when I heard about it, when I when I heard my trainer talk about it, I thought, right, this is something that I need to train in. I think it's I think personally, every child should have access to this, but I knew that it was going to be something that is very, very important for us. So really, 
when I trained, it was more for personal reasons than it was for professional reasons. And it has made just such a significant difference to our family. It has been remarkable and I'm very happy to go into that as well. But now it's my joy and privilege to be able to share it further afield. And I think over the last year and a half where parents have been contacting me more, um, I've had more calls, I would say, over the last year and a half than I have ever had in relation to anxiety with children. That may be because of lockdown, because of the pandemic, but also I wonder if it's because people are maybe feeling more comfortable talking about these things, which can only be a good thing, destigmatizing the awful oh God, I don't even know how to describe it but the, the shadow that is around mental health um, and children's mental health and it doesn't need to be this thing that we need to tackle but we can we can approach in a very um, head-on way we can approach it in a very gentle very supportive way where we give children the coping strategies the resilience the self-soothing strategies that they can um, deal with any situation that is that they are faced with essentially. Amy, thanks for sharing your story. That's quite touching. Could you describe to us the the process of sleep talk? Do you work with the children? Do you work with the parents? What does it look like? Okay, so the process of sleep talk is um, yeah, very strangely, I don't work with the children, and that's that's something I I miss in many ways. I I. I love working with children. I enjoy so much their little energy. And often what parents do is send me photos of the children so that I just have that image in my head of who, who I'm supporting from, from a distance. But yeah, that's a great question, Pauline. And I work um, very much with the parents. We work together over about a six month period that can be a bit more it can be a little bit less really it is I always through my hypnosis work and through my sleep talk work I am very person-centered we are not moving on to the next stage because the timing says we need to move on to the next stage we are working with where the child is at and we move on when we see those results um, in relation to the child. So the process itself, like I say, is over roughly a six month period. The first stage is really just having an informal chat with the parents, just to let them know what is involved with sleep talk and to tell them a bit more about what to expect um, and how our relationship, mine, alongside them will be over the next the next few months we then meet uh, usually face to face if that's appropriate and easy for the parents um but also i've i've worked um i've worked all over the world using sleep talk i'm not i'm not um restricted to only Scotland online works just as well as it does face to face it's just always nice to be face to face with parents partly because we've not really been able to for nearly two years 
So, yes, when we meet up, we do what's called a, or essentially what is a baseline assessment, looking at where the child is at at this moment in time in relation to quite a broad number of areas. We want to see that distance traveled between the first time we did that baseline assessment and then the second time when we do it a few months down the track again. So we want to see that that change has happened. Um, so once we do the baseline assessment and get a snapshot, a picture of where the child is at in relation to emotions, behaviors, day-to-day -day tasks, anxiety, all of these things, a really, really wide range of different things. We then look at what sleep talk is and how it can be, how it is applied to the child. Essentially, I talk through why it works, the, the science behind it. It's, it's very much rooted in um, the science of neuroplasticity, which is in layman's terms, how we can, um, how our brain has the capacity to change and adapt through, um, it's like, I always think of the image when, um, what's what's that phrase about sowing seeds and watching them grow? If we sow seeds that are helpful and beautiful, well, more of those will flourish. And that's essentially what we're doing. We are giving our children these very positive and helpful suggestions that can allow more and more to flourish and help them to build up their armory, build up that force field that can really help them to feel good about themselves and to build that resilience. So parents start using the process as of that night ideally it takes two minutes it has been called the two minute gift that lasts a lifetime the suggestions that we offer are not directive but they're very broad to allow the child to fill in the gaps for themselves which really gives them free reign to build their resilience in ways that are important to them so they are um, it's, it's based in those feelings of safety, feelings of unconditional love and really knowing that they are unconditionally loved both by those people who care for them, but very, very importantly, they're unconditionally loved by themselves. I'm going to digress very, very slightly, but something that I always remember from my, um, when I was in primary school in Ireland, fifth class, so probably P. I don't know, it's probably equivalent actually, P5, P6. Uh, I remember my fifth class teacher saying, you can't love anybody if you don't love yourself. Now, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with it, but I do very much agree that that relationship that you have with yourself is the most important one. And that's what we are encouraging through Sleep Talk, really encouraging that self-love so that children, even if they're in these tricky situations which let's face it in school they will be at one point or another that they have the tools that they can tackle them themselves and feel that they are able to tackle them themselves so that's the first stage of the process we are we work together over about three months um this uh this statement the foundation statement we call it the parents say this every night to their children when they're asleep. Lots of parents say to me, but what if they wake up? I have never come across a situation yet where the child wakes up 
um, it's at a very specific time that we do it to, um, which I explain more through the training and why we do it at this specific time. It's essentially to make sure that they don't wake up, but it's also the time where their unconscious mind, the part of their mind, which is, which holds our behaviors, our thoughts, uh, all the stuff that makes us tick really, um, it's the part, it's the time when that part of our mind is most active and is most receptive to the things that we say to them. So they do this every night for about three months, um, maybe less if there's, um, and some parents notice significant change pretty quickly with one of my daughters, uh, which again, I can go into in a while if you'd like. I noticed huge change with her um, very, very quickly, probably after about a month. Usually you're talking between six to 12 weeks before you begin to see that change. It takes, if you think about it, it, it takes us time to create and embed the unhelpful suggestions that we give ourselves, which we all have, thinking that we're not worthy, we're not good enough at this, that, or the next thing. We are reprogramming that and changing it. And instead of saying, I'm not good enough, we're saying, I'm enough. So it can take time to embed that. Um, and once we've gotten to that point, which we measure by a second assessment, we then move on to the specific area of need. Now, that might be for some children, they're highly anxious. That might be their specific area. We're working on their anxiety. For other children, it might be a habit. It might be something like bedwetting or nail biting. Um, one child that I'm working with uh, or whose parents I'm working with, the issue there is around um, eating and about eating more foods for um Another child that I'm working with, it's anxiety around school. So there's so many different things. What it has been, what Sleep Talk has been shown to very, very much support. It supports all children, but it has been shown to offer very significant impacts for children who have developmental conditions, children who may have autism or Asperger's, ADHD, dyslexia. Um, it can be extremely effective for children um, with different learning and developmental conditions such as those, but equally it is for every, every child. Um, it gives them that firewall, if you want to call it that way, um, a firewall of protection to help them to deal with the day-to-day -day troubles that they will come across as they will through life. I, I've always loved to go back to my daughter with um, with her, her long chin, as she likes to call it. I, I asked her early on, how did she want to describe it? She, she describes it as her long chin. And I couldn't hide, you know, and I wouldn't, obviously. I would never hide her from the world. Um, and she was going, you know, she she was going, she is going through life with this condition, but it's something now that she sees as a positive thing. She she's very she finds it very soothing. She strokes it like this. She finds it a, a safety blanket. And I think, you know what, I've done a good job, me and my husband, we have done a good job because she it's not something that she is ashamed of. And I'm so proud of that. And I'm so proud of her for that. And sleep talk has very much augmented all of that. 
Um, I mentioned in my situation that one of my children particularly benefited from it, but actually, despite the fact that I embarked on the, the sleep talk process for my big girl, it was with my little girl that it has had most significant impacts. Um, she's a gorgeous child. She's absolutely beautiful, but <laughs> she likes to bite. She likes to pinch. She can be a little bit aggressive. And I said to my husband about, oh, it must be about two months after doing sleep talk. And she loves to tantrum or she loved to tantrum, probably six or seven tantrums a day. And I didn't even notice it. It was about two months later after starting sleep talk. I said to my husband, have you noticed that Alana hasn't been tantruming? And I said, actually, now that you say it. And it's really interesting. She's now three, but we started it when she was two. Well, we're not trying to, as a client said to me the other day, I thought it was a great, um, it, was a, it was a good, good example. He said, it's not about lobotomizing a child or they're always going to be respond to situations that are going on in, the life, in their lives. I don't want to take that emotion out. Emotion is good. It's important. And particularly for children who are very young. Uh, in fact, I would say right up through the, you know, up until teenage years, you're still learning how to communicate, how to regulate that emotion, but um, we don't want to take that away, but it's almost about, just, I describe it almost as taking the edges off. So my child doesn't tantrum anymore. She still can get very angry, but she'll come back really quickly and say to me, mama, I'm sorry. I think, my God, for a two-year-old, that's, that's really quite amazing, I think anyway. Um, but her tantrums are, I, I think I can safely say non-existent. I'm pretty sure. And if they are, they're very, very sporadic. Um, she doesn't bite. <laughs> she doesn't bite anymore, which was <laughs> a great outcome considering she started nursery last week. I was really relieved about that. Um, and she doesn't, she pinches the odd time, but it is much, much less. So it has had a huge impact for us in our house. Things are so much easier and her sister has less bruises on her arms after being pinched and bitten. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been really powerful. Amy, you've um, shared the stories of your children and they're both sort of preschool, aren't they? What ages yeah. is sleep talk appropriate for? Okay, so sleep talk is appropriate, I would say, from any age. They say the Golding Institute, where, um, where sleep talk emanated from, say about 18 months up until about the age of 16. Um, or even beyond, there's a lovely story, not one of my clients, but a lovely story um, of a parent, I think they're in America, um, who says that when her daughter comes back from college, says, oh, mom, please, can you do that love thing for me at nighttime when I go to sleep? I thought that was really, really nice. Um, yeah, ideally about 18 months, but I would say I, I probably uh, would suggest, in fact, I would definitely suggest that if I'm working with, an, or if I'm working with parents of children that are older, you know, kind of two, three and up that if there was a baby in the house that sleep talk would absolutely be applied to the baby 
as well, even though they're not at the point of that verbal understanding yet, but a child, a baby, an infant responds to tone and those feelings of love can be displayed through tone. So um, with sleep talk, one of the, I don't like to use the word conditions, that's the best word that is coming to me, but one of the, oh, I'm just using the word condition for want of a better word, um, but one of, it's, sleep talk is applied to every child within the house. And that's really important um, that every child within the house has get sleep talk in the evening. Thanks, Amy. If people want to get in touch with you or want to find out more about sleep talk, how do they do that? My website is www.elementshypnotherapy.com. You can find me on Facebook at Elements Hypnotherapy. I'm on Instagram at Elements Hypnotherapy as well. And my email address is amy, A-M-Y, at elementshypnotherapy.com. You can find me at any of those places or my number is on my website. Feel free to give me a call. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Amy. That was really interesting. Thank you very much for having me, Pauline. You've been listening to the Helping Hand podcast, connecting families with help and support when they need it. If you want more information or to find a therapist near you, go to helpinghandonline.co.uk.